Hey, welcome to the Science Centric Podcast. I'm Eric Olson. So as we get older, it's no secret that our odds of dying go up. We see way more obituaries for 90-year-olds than we do for 20-year-olds, right? But a study in science earlier this year suggests that something weird is going on. The authors looked at the death records of 4,000 Italians, and they found that when we reach the age of 80, our odds of dying increases less and less with each passing year. If we're lucky enough to make it to 100, those odds hit a ceiling, a plateau, and they don't increase much at all. In other words, somebody who's 110 years old has the same risk of kicking in the bucket as somebody who's 100 years old. So that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, if we make it to very old age, we can assume that our risk of dying this year is about what it was last year. My guest in this episode says, hang on, hold your horses. Saul Newman, a biologist at the Australian National University in Canberra, has two papers out this week that take aim at that study looking at 4,000 Italians that came out earlier this year. He says that sloppy science and problems with data collection can create an artificial plateau in mortality. Unfortunately, that's bad news for grandma. So maybe you could just briefly tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how did you get into the field of study that you're in currently? Sure. Well, I'm I'm a bit of an oddbod because I started out studying anthropology. Uh, I went I I actually blew through a a sort of a record of five different universities in my undergrad. Wow. Um, <laughs> it, it finished about in the normal time uh, somehow. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I obviously have some sort of ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> Now, is Happily that, undiagnosed. <laughs> is that because you switched what you were studying, or, or? Yeah, well, well, I've I've gone through from anthropology, and the most interesting thing happening in anthropology at the time was genetics. So I got a professor of genetics to you know take me on. Uh-huh. Uh, did the equivalent of a master's in Australia is called an honors thesis, and you can do it in a year if you're you're a bit um, mad on research. And then I worked on life history evolution, a bit of bit of life history theory at a medical school um, called the John Curtin School of Medical Research for my PhD thesis. And that's where I got into this field. Uh-huh. Um, things get even worse on the ADHD spectrum because I, <laughs> I then went off <laughs> then went off and worked for, for government and industry um, on wheat genomics. Uh-huh. So yeah. Um, and now I've just come back to academia in the last couple of months. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's so that's pretty great. I mean, you've you you came back and 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 you've already got a paper right out of the gate. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, lucky. It's not a yeah. Not many people do that. Um, but you know, yeah, just lucky. I think. <laughs> great. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's talents involved there as well. But uh, yeah. Hey, don't end, don't <laughs> underestimate dumb luck. It's it's underrated. <laughs> so. I guess a good place to start is to talk about what the normal course of aging is. Uh, what happens as as an organism, including humans, go through life? You know what what does this do to our risk of dying, um, and and how does that increase as we age? Sure. Um, so 
you know, I'll actually start at birth because there's you know some quite fascinating things that happen. But 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 essentially, the first day of your life is the most risky mm-hmm. uh, until you get to very old age. And from that from that sort of high point of mortality, things tail off really rapidly into childhood. And in childhood, your odds of dying sort of flatline at a very low rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at all of the UK, there's only you know, a couple of hundred deaths during childhood across the entire population. And that's remarkable. I mean, it's a huge achievement. From that sort of flat line, that, that all-time low during childhood, um, things start to get worse at puberty. Mm-hmm. And they never stop getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> And that's is it very cheery, right? Is that and is that a that's a function of testosterone? I'm guessing on some level. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, the Americans did a, a nice natural experiment with testosterone in baseball uh-huh. a few years ago, and if you look at the the sort of that pitching aging profile, if you like, or the batting average aging profile, what happens is that the rate at which your your athletes decay in performance changes when you take testosterone. When you, you hit the roids and you have a much later career peak, but then you have a very fast decline. Hmm. And that's, I mean, that's fascinating. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the, re- the reason you get, oh, I shouldn't name names, but the reason you get some batters having a high batting average at a much older age is is because of this strange effect of sex hormones on aging mm-hmm. right. and the pattern of age. Right. Um, so, but for for humans, when when puberty kicks in, you know, a lot of things happen, but but immediately your odds of dying start to increase. Hmm. And at first, it's sort of quite rapid and non-linear because you you have a natural underlying increase in your odds of dying from what are called intrinsic causes. So, you know, your body is decaying and you become more likely to get cancer and heart disease and things over time. But then there's all the teenager stuff, you know, crashing cars, getting hit by buses. Right. Yeah. It's all the, you know, Darwin Award winners. Uh, or yeah, a lot of them te- tend to come... You know, it, that tends to come about in the teenage years, I think, um, you know, risk taking yeah, behavior right. and things like that. So that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense on some level. Yeah. Yeah. And it has a, a sort of a, you know, wonderful little prosaic name called the accident hump. Mm-hmm. You got to get over the accident hump and, you know, about your thirties. <laughs> yeah. Um, that also yeah. sounds about right. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. It's when you, when you. When you start listening to your parents again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And your hair becomes slightly more normal. Right? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so after the accident, um, everything, I mean, literally seems to run like clockwork because there's this idea that mortality rates have a doubling time. So it's sort of the opposite of a half-life. Mm-hmm. So every nine years or so in the United States, your odds of dying will double. So, you know, my odds of dying today might be, let's just say, one in a million. In nine years, they'll double to two in a million. In 18 years, they'll double again to four in a million. And it'll keep happening, you know, with this regular interval until I die. Um, Which is what I mean when I say that aging is this sort of relentless thing that 
you know, gets you in the end. Yeah. So the debate we're currently talking about is whether or not that doubling rate ever slows down or stops. So this argument's been raging for 25 years. It's got quite nasty at times. The basic idea is that some people feel, based on data, that once you hit age 80, that doubling rate tends to slow down a bit. Mm-hmm. And once you get to very old age, it stops. So to put it in a, the simplest way I can, what they're saying is that once you get to age 80, things get worse, but they get worse at a slower rate. And eventually, things stop getting worse. They don't get better, right? <laughs> You're still... <laughs> You're still 95, <laughs> but by the time you get to 100, things aren't worse. And that's this idea of an aging rate plateau or a mortality rate plateau. So, so just to summarize, you're saying that you're, you're, as you age, your, your odds of dying increase. And they're, yep. as you, at, at what age did you say they started doubling? Every... Well, they actually... It, they actually start doubling around puberty, but it's masked by all those accidents. Oh, right. right? It's sort of hidden underneath the hack, the accident hump. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and then past a certain age, it appears that these, this sort of, it doesn't actually stop. You, you're still, your, your risk of dying is still increasing, but it's leveling off on some level. Oh, that's a that terrible. Is, that's been, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's been the argument that when you get very old, things stop getting worse mm-hmm. um, and they level off. So your odds of dying, they become like Russian roulette. It might stop at one in six and every year you play Russian roulette <laughs> effectively. <laughs> right, right. Or it, it, it's actually often closer to 50-50 apparently. Um, so it's not like things are great. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're laying odds on people dying, you know, every year there's a coin toss or a, <laughs> you know, Sorry for all the gambling analogies, but it's the simplest way to get it across, you know. Yeah, it's a great way to communicate risk, I think. That makes a lot of sense to people. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, but this has huge implications because it suggests that if aging stops in old age, the first thing that happens is that human life is open-ended. Mm-hmm. So it means that there's no upper limit of human life. You just need to get more people to that point and they'll live longer and longer and longer and longer. So, mm-hmm. you know, you started out with 100,000 people and they all toss coins to see if they survive each year. There'll be a maximum lifespan. There'll be a person with a record run of coins. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing fundamentally stopping someone getting a longer run of coins and, and living longer. So right. it effectively is saying that there's no upper limit of human life. There's just a sort of a practical maximum. Um, right. The second thing mm-hmm. is that, that aging stops. And if we could understand that, maybe we could, you know, do it earlier or whatever. <laughs> whatever uh, snake oil is being sold at a particular time. <laughs> um, I guess, though, that even though your risk of dying, assuming this plateau exists, is going, is sort of leveling off. Yeah. I mean it's still increasing. So, I mean, if, if you're 110 years old, you may have, you know, there's an 80% chance you're going to die, you know? So, I mean, it seems like it, it's still not sort of pushing down the ri- the overall risk that you're going to well, the, die. Well, the, the overall risk stays flat. Um, 
each year. So there's a constant risk you'll die each year. Of course, that means that, you know, I can say, well, what are the odds I'll live five years and then 10 years? And those odds go down as you, as you project out a longer lifespan. Um, you know, if you're, but if your lifespan depends on a coin toss, obviously you don't last forever. No. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit of a strange distinction, but, but just because there's no limit on human life doesn't mean there's not a maximum, you know, that you reach eventually. So you have a study or a pair of studies out in plus biology this week, and you are, uh, you reference a study from earlier this year that, uh, looked at 4,000 Italians, uh, the death records of 4,000 Italians, and they showed this plateau effect uh, from about 80 years old onward. Is that correct? Um, That's correct. And your study in PLAS Biology is saying, well, hang on, wait a minute. This could be reproduced in another way. Um, this This could just show up as a result of errors in the recording of these deaths. So could you just yeah. talk a little bit about your study? Sure. Uh, well, the first thing is that there are two problems with this study. The first is the errors. Uh, the second is that that idea that the mortality rate starts to flatten out at age 80 mm-hmm. is highly dependent on one choice, uh, the choice of what ages to fit this model over. So you have a single model. You have two inputs to that model. Okay. That's it. These authors have taken two very specific inputs and fit what they consider a sort of a best model. The problem is if you change either of those inputs by a single year, the fit of the model gets better, but the size of that deceleration gets smaller. And if you fit all possible combinations, so there are 861 ways you could have fit this model, theirs is the most biased towards their own conclusions Mm-hmm. So it generates the largest plateau, but it's also got the worst fit. Hmm. I think so, I think you may need to unpack that just a little bit. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because we're getting so, in, we're getting into you know um, sort of yeah. st- statistics there, and so maybe a little bit of background on. Sure. So um, to to simplify it, they've made this statement that. We have a model, the model fits really badly. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we need a special late-life plateau model. The only problem is the model that they say fits really badly is dependent on their own choices, and their own choices are really biased. Okay. It's like extremely biased. I see. And the simplest, the simplest way to test this is to take figure 1B which they've got the data on. You just get a ruler and draw a straight line and you can fit it th- straight through all of the middle of those dots. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? It's really simple. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, which means that you can fit a model where this effect just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. There's no plateau. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so there, when we're modeling a curve statistically, depending sure. on the inputs that we put in, the results can look very different. I mean, this is basically what you're yes. saying. And so they've yes. they've specifically chosen inputs that are going to produce the result that they're looking for. 
Is that essentially that's, what you're saying? That's exactly correct. Okay. And they haven't just come close to the result they want. They've picked the the <laughs> single largest <laughs> yeah, result that they could. Uh-huh. And now what yeah. what are those inputs? What are those starting conditions that they're choosing to get sure. to get that result? And by the way, for for the audience, I mean, that's usually not an indicator of good science when you're <laughs> when you're no. picking <laughs> picking picking and choosing uh you know the the things you want to pay attention to to get the result you want you want to get the most yeah. unbiased result that you can yeah that's right um so there are two inputs here you want and you're what you're doing is you're taking those probabilities of dying mm -hmm. and you're drawing a line through them mm -hmm. and you want to draw a line through a bunch of probabilities over a given age range so you want to say i want to pick you know, age 50 to age 80, and I'm going to draw a line through all those dots, or age 70 to age 90, and I'm going to draw a line through all those dots. Right. And they're, and so, and those are going to be spread out over, I mean, you, sure. you're not going to have your data points line up on a, on a perfect line. Typically it's going to be, they're, you know, going to yeah, be yeah, they're going to a be cluster. A bit, yeah. They're going to be yeah. a little bit noisy. Yeah. Um, so what I'm saying is that you can, pick any two ages that are seem ring, you know quite reasonable mm -hmm. starting from just after that accident hump all the way through to age 80 mm -hmm. but if you if you make all those other choices you get a line that makes their results disappear mm -hmm. except for the very specific ages that they've used i see <laughs> which is a very convenient result if you want to get published in science but it's like you said it's not a very good way to uh, do do science it's yeah now are these this these are the ages of 80 between 80 and 105 is that correct yeah so those are the those are the ages you want to predict uh -huh. with your your line drawn through these dots right uh, so if they predict really well, the line will go straight through the middle of all those dots. Mm -hmm. If they predict really badly, they'll fall above or below. Um, so they've picked a model where the line falls as far above the real po probabilities as possible, mm -hmm. which makes it look like there's a mortality plateau. I see. If you pick an unbiased model, there's nothing. It goes. It, it's like a skewered kebab. All the dots are right on the line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got it. Um, so, so that that's the first problem that that you addressed. Um, and then there's this the, this other issue of of errors in reporting death records. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, off the end of that nice straight relationship, there's a little tail. Right, mm -hmm. the little curve at the end for the last five points mm -hmm. that looks like it's flattening out. Mm -hmm. There's an enormous margin of error on those, um, but that little tail is composed of these three thousand or so individuals with very old age records. And this right, is so this is past the age of one hundred and five. Is that correct? That's right. So very right. very old. Uh, yeah. People. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's right. I, if you make it to 105, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say. Yeah. So 
my real problem with this is that, of course, these records are from at least 105 years ago, right? They're handwritten in a ledger by someone who's received almost no schooling. Mm-hmm. Then they're typed into an Excel spreadsheet or whatever, um, and they're used to create this database. Now, the problem with that is if you take all of the population of Italy and you add typos into their birth certificates or you add typos into the transcription of handwriting to an Excel spreadsheet, which I don't know if you've ever read other people's handwriting, right? <laughs> Pretty easy to make a mistake. I can't read my own handwriting. So <laughs> no, that's... I know. I know. It's impossible. <laughs> so, so when you're reading handwriting from 105 years ago, and you can't ask the Italian person who wrote it, was that a five or a nine? Or like, right. were you drunk? Like, <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. Right, right. So it's very simple to generate errors. And mm. I've simulated rare error. I mean, really rare errors. One in 10,000 error rate. So for context, in a clinical trial, you know, if you're writing things in an Excel spreadsheet with double entry, your error rate is about one in 500. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm simulating one in 10,000 error rate. And what happens? You make one of those little tails. Uh-huh. Right? Purely out of errors. Yeah. Um, now, that, that method of error generation has been attacked as wildly unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Which I yes. don't think it's wildly unreasonable to say <laughs> that I get a one in 10,000 <laughs> errors when I'm writing down someone else's handwriting. I think that's okay. And that was, <laughs> I'd be pretty... that was the author of the paper in science earlier yeah. this year yeah or lead yeah. author yeah I, th- I think you could understand why they're pretty defensive about that oh um, yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> uh but the real problem with that is that typos aren't the only way you can generate these errors there's very simple alternatives mm-hmm. so imagine i'm, I'm going to call you uh, imagine you're sicilian right uh-huh you're let's Michael, your name is Michael Corleone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you live in a small village in Sicily and your older sister dies at the age of 95. You have the funeral, you better her on the family farm. Next week, her pension check turns up, right? Mm-hmm. So if you don't like the government you, you, or you just like pension checks, you, can't, you don't have to say anything. Pension check will keep turning up. Now, what does that do? I mean, that means that her birth certificate is real, her all her papers are real, and on paper, she's still alive. Mm-hmm. So she goes from 95 to 96 to 97. Eventually, she reaches 105. If you then realize that you've committed a decade of pension fraud and register her death, <laughs> right? <laughs> you've generated a super centenarian. And if anyone turns up, you are sure going to say, oh, yes, everyone remembers her. She lived past 105, right? You're not going to tell anyone. Right, right. (laughs) And you can't detect that error by looking at birth certificates. You can't detect it by looking at death certificates. There's absolutely no way that anyone, including the Barbie et al. team, can pick up those errors. Mm -hmm. If you have a, a couple of hundred of those a year... In all of Italy, you've generated these super centenarian databases, every single one of which is an error. 
Right. right? And that's that's just one scenario. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of others. Mm-hmm. I mean, 10% of these people dodged the draft. Okay. Right? They yeah. went through two world wars. I'd be changing my... I'd be forging papers to hide from the Nazis. I oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense, yes. <laughs> plenty of plausible scenarios where you pretend to be someone else who happens to be older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, so, there's also people, I think, that just... Um, I mean, I've known older people that didn't know their exact birth date. They did. Not. It wasn't. It wasn't recorded, <laughs> you know. And it. They yeah. just. Uh, it was around this date, you know. So they don't yeah. know for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I pointed out that literacy is not great in Italy at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't say anything about intelligence, but it says a lot about the ability to read your own documents and know how old you are, mm-hmm. because. The literacy test was literally, if you could sign your own name, you were literate. Right. So when, you know, 30 or 40% of the population is, air quotes, literate, you know, of course, most people don't know how old they are when they're hitting 55. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, so what sort of air rate do you need to see this, this little tail, as you call it, this little... Um, I mean, drop off in mortality or in, drop off in the increase in mortality past cool. the age of 105. So to generate um, a little tail, you can, it depends on the size. You can make one with a one in a hundred thousand error rate, right? Tiny error rate. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, it's minuscule. You know, you're talking a couple of cases of identity theft or pension fraud in the entire population. If you want to make one about the size of Barbie et al., you need about a one in four or five thousand error rate, which again is about the tenth of the error rate that you see in clinical trial data. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you, yeah, it's pretty easy to generate these things. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, this, sci- this study in science we're referring to, there were only 4,000 uh, records. So, I mean, sure. this is, you know, not that there's bound to be you know some errors in there Um, yeah it's not a huge it's not a huge sample is what i'm saying yeah yeah no it's not and and if you think about imagine this is the dmv because you're in north america um imagine someone said to you the dmv only makes four thousand errors across five years right (laughs) that'd be great (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) i mean that's not wildly and plausibly high. That's fantastic. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's not like these are complicated scenarios. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, you've, you've sort of gone after this study. They've rebutted it. Where do we go from here? Well, I mean, that, that partly depends on the sense of shame Uh, that I can impart on these authors (laughs) as to whether they ever answer another question from me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know, but uh, I'm really looking forward to, on the 10th of January, I'm going to a a conference where I'll be presenting in the same session as the Uh, lead author. uh, So I get to ask some thorny questions. Uh, But apart from embarrassing people, I have no power to do anything about this. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I've never even been given, I mean, 
I, I got a scholarship to go to this conference. This is the first time I've ever been paid for this kind of thing in any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my laboratory at the moment is this laptop and some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And these these go, these people run Max Planck Institutes. They get tens of millions of dollars a year in funding. Um, so I can't force them to listen to me. Sure. Apart from, you know, yeah. being being a um, iconoclastic madman. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I guess it's like anything with science. It just you know the truth sort of wins out in the end, and you know yeah. how often your paper cited and you know, those sort of the popularity of your, of your findings yeah. and, and, yeah, and yeah. that'll be, probably be this, the case here. Well, uh, well, often, often popularity will trade off against truth, unfortunately, but, the, but I, I, I do have that idea that yes, we'll win, we'll win in the end. Right. Yeah. yeah. The truth, the truth. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. The truth will win in the end. Um, <laughs> that's right. I, sorry, I'm saying this because last year I criticized a nature paper. Oh, that was abysmal. I mean, it was just, just terrible. They they committed rounding errors. Uh-huh. Uh, so they rounded numbers down to zero, and then they turned those zeros into a one, and then they fit a, a model to it, and that made them have this result where they said, oh, humans can't live past 125, right? Purely off the basis of these errors. Uh-huh. That, pipe, that paper's been cited almost 150 times, I haven't been cited once. <laughs> so, I'm a little cynical, but I'm a bit hopeful. Why did you choose to, to do this? Why did you choose to study this? Um, you know, you're, you're doing wheat yields on one hand and, yeah. and you're doing longevity on another. What, what attracted you to this? Partly it was someone sending me that original Dong paper and, and realizing within about five minutes that it, just how bad the standards had become. Mm-hmm in this field you know just that that you would get something and in this seemed to be largely forced through by bullying of a from a reviewer you know it wasn't it wasn't an editorial mess it was it was really a problem at the review level mm-hmm. but that you would have a paper like that published on such a, what seemed to me to be a simple problem of projecting a limit um it was a bit of a shock mm-hmm. and so when this Barbie paper came out, I'd already been working on, um, you know, how to explain these open-ended distributions of the plateau, and essentially it took me less than a week to get this back to science as a full submission. You know, it took me about 10 minutes to see what they'd done wrong in the paper, it took me a couple of days to code everything, a couple of days to write the paper, and, and inside a week it was, it was out. And that gives you some idea of, I guess, the the time pressures that a lot of scientists have at the moment that they don't seem to have enough time to really think about what's underneath these models and what assumptions are going on. Because mm. um, I've got no money and no grad students to take care of. and no, <laughs> I've got a bit more time. <laughs> I, I, I have children, but <laughs> you know, somehow yeah. uh, I've been finding the time to think about it. Well, it, it sounds like it's you know low-hanging fruit in a way. Um, and yeah. that seems really necessary that people are checking in on, on things that are being published and calling it out when it needs to be called out. I think, I think that it's actually surprisingly rare. Um, you know, so for example, the telomere hypothesis of aging has been kicking around forever. Oh yeah. And it yeah. doesn't, doesn't make any sense. 
and that's people won't say that that's the idea (laughs) that your telomeres get shorter as you age right well that they cause aging Ah, i've got got no problem that they get shorter with age you know Ah. all sorts of things change with age (laughs) um (laughs) the the problem is this idea that it causes aging and it was like if it's that simple why have we had thousands of papers published on this and not one causal gene experiment Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the mechanism. We've got a way of changing these genetic variants. So why do people think this is real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't answer that. I don't know why. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. And you don't want to annoy a Nobel Prize winner, right? Like <laughs> if Elizabeth Blackburn writes a writes a healthcare book about it then (laughs) yeah that's right yeah thanks so much for coming on Saul I really appreciate it and good luck um, with your future endeavors thanks for having me that's it for this episode let us know what you thought you can find us on Twitter at ScienceCentric or shoot us an email at feedback at sciencecentric.com You can support future episodes of this podcast by donating directly to our Patreon account. We're at patreon.com slash sciencecentric. Alternatively, visit the reading room on the Sciencecentric website. Every book purchased through links there help fund this podcast. You can find that page at sciencecentric.com slash reading. Our intro and outro music is courtesy of BitBasic. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Eric Olson. (laughs) 